0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Southside Church Podcast from Chilliwack, British Columbia, Canada. We're praying that hope would rise in your life as you listen to this message today.
1: Have you ever heard of the phrase, self-fulfilling prophecy? I bet that if you've never heard the phrase, you've still experienced it. Like if you've played sports, you've experienced self-fulfilling prophecy. Like if you go into a game and everyone on your team is convinced that you're gonna lose, guess what's gonna happen? You're going to lose. Now, I'm not saying that you wouldn't have lost anyways, but now your doubt has removed all doubt. The placebo effect is like that. Like, let's say you're feeling sick and I tell you, man, I got a pill for you and this pill will make you feel 100% better. And you believe me and I give you the pill and you take it and you feel better. And then I tell you, actually, that was a purple Skittle. So why did you feel better? Because you thought you were gonna feel better. So, I'm not saying that you can think yourself to perfect health, but I am saying that the mind is a powerful thing. The Bible actually talks about self fulfilling prophecy in Proverbs 4, verse 23. It says this Be careful how you think, your life is shaped by your thoughts. Man, teaching really showed me that. I remember there would be students that would be coming into my class for the first time, and teachers that used to teach them would say to me, That kid's a nightmare. Like, problem child, C student at best. And for me, I would always feel a connection with that student when I heard that teacher say that. Because when I was going to school, almost every teacher that I ever had would have described me as a nightmare, except for a few. And those few were actually the reason why I became a teacher because those few teachers believed in me. And more than that, more important than that, they taught me to believe in me. And so that became my goal with those students who were deemed to be nightmares. To connect with them and help them believe in them and every single time they didn't turn out to be nightmares and almost every single time they weren't c students they were a students because to be a true nightmare you actually have to be pretty smart so we're in week four of this four week series called what do i do if now it's a series about marriage but it's actually a lot more than that because the principles that we're talking about can be applied to every one of our significant relationships which is important because looking ahead at this year i really believe that we can build something better but to do that we're going to need to come together and how do you come together? Well, you start with your most significant relationships. I just want to stop for a second and say thank you. Karen. thanks for being here for all four weeks of this series. It's been so cool to have you.
0: Yeah, it's been an honor and fun.
1: Yeah. So today we want to ask this question. What do I do if I'm falling out of love? And there's a part of me that's wondering whether you think I'm going to refuse to answer this question. On grounds that it is illogical. That I'm going to sit here and tell you, falling out of love. <laughs> like what are you talking about? Like love is a verb. It's not a noun. You can't fall out of a verb. You know what I mean? Like uh, love is not a feeling. Love is a choice. So I will not answer that question because it's not logical. I'm actually not going to say that because I actually believe in the power of a self-fulfilling prophecy in the power of Proverbs 4, 23. So if you really think you're falling out of love for you, you are falling out of love. Like if you're walking around saying, man, maybe I married the wrong person. Maybe I married too young. Maybe I made a mistake. Well, in your mind, maybe you did. So now what? I want to suggest to you that the answer to now what is this? When faced with the option of powerful or powerless, always choose powerful. Let me kind of explain that a little bit more. Um, Maybe you've heard of the phrase FOMO, fear of missing out. Well, that's a self-fulfilling prophecy, isn't it? In fact, it's a specific type of self-fulfilling prophecy in which a person chooses to focus on powerless rather than powerful. Here's what I mean. So let's say you have a fear of missing out. Well, that's going to happen to you. Why? Because you're going to sit around waiting for those big moments of which you are actually powerless to control, waiting for something great to happen. And while you're waiting for the big, you're going to miss the best. Like what are the best things in life? The best things in life are things that you have power over like to take the time to have a meal with your spouse to have a conversation with a good friend to drive uh, beside a lake and just take a moment to enjoy the beautiful scenery to go out for a walk on a beautiful clear crisp day to see your kids off to school and tell your son or tell your daughter man i'm proud of you those are the best things And the problem with FOMO is that you focus so much on the big things over which you are powerless that you miss the best things which you are powerful in. So in answer to the question, what do I do if I'm falling out of love? I would say again, when given the choice between powerless or powerful, always choose powerful. Now, just before we continue on with the sermon, I just wanna stop for one second because we're here in week four of the series. And it just kind of hit me that maybe you're in one of two boats number one you're sitting in a marriage where you realize that you're willing to be powerful you're willing to work hard but your spouse is not and what do you do then my suggestion to you is because there's only one person in the universe you can control continue to work on you continue to be powerful and pray for your spouse but the second question might be okay but what if i'm in a dangerous marriage What if addiction or abuse is occurring? And I would say then, in that case, the first powerful thing that you must do is you must get some distance. You must keep yourself and your kids safe. That's priority. And then you can be powerful working on your marriage from a distance. Does that make sense? Okay, again, so what do I do if I'm falling out of love? When given the choice between powerless and powerful, we choose powerful.
0: So maybe you've had this thought, I'm falling out of love. And I just want to suggest to you that maybe falling out of love doesn't mean what you think it means. In fact, I would even go farther and suggest that falling out of love is not even a thing.
1: I just want to stop there for a second because I think it's kind of important. So what if it's you, though, and, and you feel like you're falling, in love, falling out of love? Okay, that's fine as, as long as you realize that that's a you thing. That's a you thing. You have control over that, actually, and we'll talk about that in a minute. The problem presents itself when we start to think that you things or me things are actually thing things over which we have no control. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Okay, so as long as you understand that that you thing is a you thing, man, I I think we can help.
0: So I don't have a lot of very vivid memories from my childhood, but there is one that sticks out to me. (laughs) I was 13 years old and I lived in Fort McMurray, Alberta. Feel free to feel sorry for me.
1: Corinne had a paper out and I had did. to deliver papers. And what was the temperature, Corinne?
0: With the wind chill, minus 60. Often. That's tough. That yeah. is tough. Yeah. Okay, so I'm in Fort McMurray, 13 years old, minus 60 degrees. I had four best friends in Fort McMurray, and there was so five of us girls who we were inseparable. And one day after school, we were at one of my friend's houses, and her mom came in and said, can you girls come into the living room? I have something I want to talk to you about. And so we all followed her in. She seemed really serious. And she sat us down and said, Mr. Smith and I are getting a divorce. I've fallen out of love with him. Now, I so clearly remember, I was only 13 at the time, but I remember those words, I've fallen out of love with him, didn't sit well with me. There was just something about them that didn't ring true. Mm. So I think it's fair to say that I am the least romantic person in the entire world, which has worked out well for me because I happen to marry the second least romantic person in the world. And that makes us kind of pathetic, I realize it, especially around Valentine's Day. But I also think that our lack of romanticness has actually helped us in the long run. Now, the dictionary says that a romantic person is someone with an idealized view of reality. And I think that the concepts of falling in love and falling out of love are also idealized views of reality. And I think that when we idealize something, we're setting ourselves up for one thing, disappointment. And this disappointment can actually be devastating. Let me give you an example from my own life that doesn't have anything to do with marriage, but I just think it makes the point really well. So most of you know that in 2008, we adopted Bedza and Samuel from Haiti. And they were five and seven at the time and they're 19 and 17 now, and just wonderful, kind, hardworking young men that we're so proud of. We're Mm -hmm. proud of them for everything that they've overcome and everything that they're overcoming every day. So this story has nothing to do with them and everything to do with my expectations in the situation. Mm -hmm. So let's rewind to 2008. And I think if I conducted a survey right now, the vast majority of you would have romantic idealized views on adoption. I know I certainly did before we adopted. Because what's not romantic about saving children from poverty? Mm-hmm. Like they're not gonna ever feel anything but gratitude to us for saving them. Our family won't even skip a beat adding two elementary school aged kids to it overnight. And I am gonna find nothing in my heart but endless love and patience. So I was so idealistic, and I was in for the shock of my life. Romantic ideas make living out the reality of a situation so much more difficult. And even if you haven't adopted, anyone who's a parent can relate to this idea of idealized romantic ideas about something. So before you have your first baby your thoughts are full of the cute nursery and how you're going to decorate it and the adorable outfits and the unconditional love you're going to receive from your offspring. But that doesn't usually last more than a week of what the reality of caring for a newborn baby is like. But maybe you're a baby person and you do hold on to those ideals until the baby years are over. I guarantee they're gone once the toddler demons emerge. (laughs) So maybe you're saying that whole idea of romantic ideas leading to disappointment makes sense in the context of parenting. But what about marriage? Like, isn't marriage supposed to be romantic? Like, boy meets girl, boy marries girl, and they live happily ever after. Isn't that the dictionary definition of romance? But can I suggest something to you today that you might not like hearing? There's nothing romantic about love. Like, I don't like the concept of falling in love and falling out of love because it's so misleading. Like I think that love begins when the feelings of falling in love end. Mm-hmm. Marriage is a process of taking off your masks one by one, and your spouse is doing the same thing, taking off their masks one by one, and you just both keep loving whatever's underneath And that's the least romantic thing I can think of. But it's also the most beautiful thing I can think of. When you think about marriage in those terms, like taking off your masks and loving whatever's underneath, it makes so much sense why the Bible uses marriage as the central metaphor to describe Jesus' relationship with his church, with his people, with us. Real me meets real you without the masks. And you just keep loving and are loved, no matter what is underneath. That's like Jesus with us. It's not romantic, but it's beautiful.
1: That's so cool. It's the least romantic thing I can think of, but the most beautiful thing I can think of. I agree. Listen to this quote by Lewis Meads. My wife has lived with at least five different men since we were wed, and each of the five has been me. That's good. You know what I mean? Like, we're all on the road back to me and, and just that, that, that journey of loving each other through all the different phases. And so after we saw that quote, you said to me, and what are, think of the five phases that you've had. And of course, there's been more than five, but I kind of went back to the beginning when we first met at Trinity Western University. And what do they say? You can take Mike out of Red Deer, but you can't take the Red Deer out of Mike. And so when we first met, I was really arrogant. I remember before leaving Red Deer, I told my little sister, last thing I said to her was, I'm going to find the most beautiful girl at Trinity Western. And I'm gonna date her. And then on day three or whatever, I met you and we started dating, talked to my little sister the next time. I'm like, check. It's just that was terrible.
0: What it's cringy. a terrible thing. It's pretty cringy. It's cringy. But you love me anyways. Mm-hmm.
1: Right. And 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 then the months went on and we got married, and 18 months later we had Tori. And I think I kinda of took on a new persona, and that persona was provider. I took it real seriously to provide for our little family. And I worked real hard, I was waitering and finishing off my degree. And then when I was finished my degree, I went and became a teacher and a coach. And one of the things that I kind of learned finishing my degree and being a waiter was that not everybody wants to work really hard, but I can. And I'm willing to, you know. And so I think it was in that early stage of teaching and coaching that I started to define myself a little bit too much. Like I knew that God defines me and I know that God loves me, but I started to define myself by success and I was driven to succeed and driven to achieve and driven to win, and so started living my life at an unmanageable pace. And then I transitioned from education to ministry. And ministry is interesting, isn't it? It's like you kind of get into ministry because you really, really wanna help people, and you do, and you wanna help broken people, and you wanna help hurting people for sure, and you do get that opportunity. But sometimes as a pastor, you gotta be ready Because the truth about broken people is that broken people can break people. And sometimes the people they break are you. (laughs) And hurting people hurt people. And sometimes the people they hurt is you. And so what I had learned being a teacher and a coach was that when you have a problem, when you have a challenge, you just outwork it. And so my life became more unmanageable and more unhealthy. And then 2020 happened. And so when we got into june and july of 2020 it was a new mic and you've told me before that you've never seen me like that before and i think i like walked right up to the precipice Mm -hmm. of burnout and with your help with god's help with some good friends i was able to turn around and walk away from that and when i turned around i noticed that the road back to me was right there and We've been learning ever since. I've been learning ever since to stop living at such an unmanageable pace. And one of the things we decided to do was take a break once in a while. (laughs) And I just remember November, one of the breaks that we were going to take, we were driving from here to Okanagan Lake to stay for a week. And we're driving down the road, and I told this story in the first week. Well, you looked at me and said, I resent you. And you started going through some of the resentments that you have towards me from our marriage. And you talked about that for a few hours. And when you were done for that day, I looked at you and I said, I wholeheartedly support your resentment of me. And I really meant it. It might sound funny to people, but I really meant it. And I said, thank you. And if I could change those things, I would, but I can't, so I'm sorry. I wholeheartedly support your resentment of me. But it it was true. You know, and I think for me, it's because I wholeheartedly believe three things about marriage. Okay, so number one, I really believe that anything great takes work and I want my marriage to be great, so I need to work at it. Now, if I didn't believe that, when you kind of shared your resentments, when you were done, I would have looked at you and said, really? Oh, that's just great, Corinne. You know, like I'm a lead pastor, you know, a lead pastor. You know what that means? I've got a lot of responsibility on these shoulders. And so now you share that with me. Well, not only that, Corinne, but it's 2020. It's been a real tough year, you know, and COVID, I can't believe you would share that. The second thing that I believe is I believe that the best is yet to come. I believe the best is yet to come because I think you have one or two choices. You can get lost in your painful past or you can learn from your painful past. See, I really think that you can. I think you can take lessons from yesterday, apply them today and build something beautiful tomorrow. Now, if I didn't believe that, when you shared that with me, I probably would have curled up in the fetal position, sucking my thumb and saying, I'm a failure, I'm a loser. I'm a terrible person, a terrible person, a terrible person. And the third thing I believe about marriage is I believe that the most important sermon that I'm ever going to preach, I I really want you to listen for a second because at the core of who I am, I believe that the most important sermon that I'm ever going to preach about the redemptive power, the transformational power of the gospel of Jesus Christ is going to be preached in the way that I love you. Now, I hope I preach other important sermons. I hope I preach other powerful sermons, but this is the most important. Now, if I didn't believe that when you were done sharing, I would have looked at you and said, I'm so sorry that you feel that way. I'm so sorry that you see it that way. Okay. I hate that by the way. I hate when people do that. Like if you're sorry, you're sorry. Don't say that. Take. Res- in fact, if you've said that and you can remember saying that at all in the last six months, slap yourself upside the head right now. I'm going to give you a second. Stop saying that. If you're sorry, you're sorry. Take responsibility for you. Be powerful. Okay, so I want to go through that again. So number one, I really believe that to build something great takes hard work. Well, you know what the powerful choice is? I can work hard. And number two, I believe the best is yet to come. That I can apply lessons from yesterday to today and build something beautiful tomorrow. Well, I can do that. That's powerful. And I really believe that The most important sermon I'm ever going to preach on this earth is the way that I love you. Well, I'm not perfect, but I can do my best to try to love you and preach that sermon. That's powerful. When facing the option between powerless and powerful, always choose
0: powerful. I sometimes think what would have happened if you had had that response. Like if you had looked at me and said, I can't believe that you would dump all that on me. Like, don't you understand the pressure I'm under? And you wouldn't have been wrong I did kind of dump on you, and you do have a lot on your shoulders and a lot of pressure in your life, but I remember how I felt at that point where I was at, like just internally, and I knew that I couldn't live life the way I'd been living it anymore. And that's not to say that my life was bad or that my marriage was bad, because it wasn't. But I had lost myself along the way. I had just come to see that I'd given everybody else space in my relationship with them, and I hadn't given myself any space. And when you live that way for long enough, you kind of feel like you disappear. And I felt God say to me that it was time to wake up, and it was time to become who I was meant to be, and I knew that I had to answer that call. So I'm just so thankful that you responded with kindness on that drive to Kelowna, because I was at a point where I was willing to risk everything, and then your response in that moment just reassured me that you weren't going to leave. And I know that you would never leave me physically, but I had fears that you were going to leave me emotionally and not just give me the space that I needed to change or be intimidated or be angry or be overwhelmed. And your response gave me hope for the future that we could change and grow together.
1: That's awesome. So one of the things that Corinne talks about a lot as she talks about now exerting her personhood and so the other day I sent you a text and I said hey do you think you could exert your personhood on like Monday Wednesday and Friday we'll take Tuesday Thursday and weekends off and you said no but all joking aside I really want to go back to week one a little bit and we talked about the fact that we need to be real with ourselves honest with each other and kind always real with ourselves honest with each other and kind always it's so important because so, so understand the journey that we've been on. Like over the last months especially, we've both been very, very real with ourselves. Just kind of dealing with where am I and where does God wanna take me? And then you were honest with me, but it came from a context of kindness. Because I don't know how many people know this, but you're the kindest person that I know. And so stepping into that moment was so beautiful and so right, and part of it was because it was just this context of kindness and i just want to suggest to everybody make sure you do it in that order be real with yourself be honest with each other but always 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 be kind
0: so the thing that happens when you have those conversations when you're real with yourself and you're honest with each other and you're kind both ways what happened with us in that moment was i felt like a wall came down between us that i didn't even know Mm -hmm. was there And I don't know if you feel this way or not, you don't have to answer, but I felt so much closer to you after that conversation. Mm -hmm. So much more trust in you that I had taken a risk and you had proved to me that you were there no matter what.
1: Okay. So when given the option, when given the choice between powerless and powerful, I think you got to choose powerful. And so I, I know it's hard work. And I know it's a real big decision to decide that I'm going to learn from the past, apply it today, and see something beautiful tomorrow. That's tough, but you can do it. You're powerful. And I know it's real powerful to really make it a priority to love your spouse. But here's what I know. I know that there was a time in my life that I thought our marriage was perfect. And it's just so exciting to me to go on this journey with you because it just keeps getting better, which is so cool. And... I think how it happens is like, so I'm on a journey back to me and you're on a journey back to you and together we're, we're on a journey back to us. And uh, I love it, I love it, it's powerful.
0: So if you find yourself asking that question, what do I do if I'm falling out of love? I just wanna ask you to do me a favor right now and I want you to be really honest with yourself. I want you to call that question what it is. Because I think that you might mean, what do I do if I don't have the same feelings I used to have for my spouse? Or what do I do if this just feels like it's taking too much effort? Because the thing that being honest with yourself does is it's going to stop a couple of things from happening. When you tell yourself over and over again that you're falling out of love, and when you tell other people that you're falling out of love, what you're really trying to do is convince yourself that it's okay to pull the plug on your marriage, that it's okay to look to that other relationship, that it's okay to have an affair. So just be honest with yourself. I'm falling out of love is often an excuse to give up. Hmm. So I'm just asking you today, don't give up, dig deep instead. Marriage isn't about falling in love and falling out of love. Marriage is about removing your masks one at a time, and your spouse is doing the same thing, removing their mask one at a time, and you both keep loving whatever's underneath. And when I say dig deep, I don't mean you have to do that on your own. I know more than anyone that sometimes when you dig inside yourself, you don't find anything. That's what God is for. When we're honest with ourselves, and when we ask God for help, he meets us where we're at, and he helps us. He not only has the power to help, He wants to help. So be honest with yourself and ask God for help because he will help you. He does help. He wants to. Because we all want to become who we were meant to be. It's a longing that every one of us has inside us, even if you haven't recognized it. When we break our promises, we step off the path to becoming who God created us to be, towards who we were meant to be. So if you think that other person or that other relationship or that other life is going to make you become yourself, is going to lead you to be who you were meant to be, the real you, can I just suggest that you think again. You will lose yourself on any path that takes you away from the promises that you made to the people closest to you in your life.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, I want to I kind of shift gears just a little bit in week four, this four week series. And I wanna tell you again that you're not alone. And I just think you said that beautifully, Corinne, that, that God sent his one and only son, Jesus, into human history and that Jesus died and he rose again. And can I explain that in the context of what we're talking about today? So number one, Jesus died so that our sins could be forgiven. Do you understand that? So what it means that we don't need to get lost in our painful past, but we can learn from our painful past. Apply lessons from yesterday to today and build something beautiful tomorrow because Jesus says that we can have a clean slate. And not only did Jesus die for you, but he rose again for you. And I know it's easy to sit here and for us to say, be a promise keeper, be a promise keeper, be a promise keeper, but I really think you got it in you. Or maybe you don't, but with his help, you can. Temptation is real, but God's power is greater. And when Jesus rose from the grave, what it means is that his power becomes your power and you can become the person you were created to be, Move towards the road back to you. And finally, I just wanna say this, that the best really is yet to come. That God has a plan for you. God has a plan for your relationships. God has a plan for your life, that your life would be a sermon of redemption. And because of Jesus' death, and because of his resurrection, and he's going to give you the strength, and he's going to lead you step by step to do that. I don't know how you could ever do this marriage thing without him. So I just want to give the opportunity right now. I'm not saying that you need to be perfect. You absolutely don't. I'm so far from that. Even Corinne's so far from that. You don't need to be perfect, because Jesus is perfect, and he's here to help. So I want to just take a second, and and I want to pray a prayer, and that prayer is just just inviting Jesus into every part of my life including my marriage including my significant relationships and so if you're there and and it's time to ask help and you want some help in this area of your life or in any area of your life why don't you just pray with me so let's pray dear Jesus thank you thank you that you died so that I don't need to get lost in my painful past I can learn from it and move forward I ask that you would be my savior and that my sins would be forgiven and I would get a clean slate and Jesus thank you that you rose again I pray that you would give me the strength I need to be the person that you created me to be. And give me the strength to tell a great story with my life, preach a great sermon with my life in every area. I'm so thankful that you came and you died so that I can really live an abundant life, a great life that starts today, not always easy, but good. That starts today and stretches into eternity. I pray all this in your name, amen. Man, if you just prayed that prayer for the first time, I just want to ask you to do me one quick favor. Can you please text the keyword LIFE to 604-670-3040? Uh, we don't want to stalk you, but we really, really want to support you because this whole, this whole 2021 building something beautiful, we've got to come together, and that's one of, the way that, one of the ways that we can do that. We want to help you. And, and I want to just say one last thing. We've talked about a lot of resources during the course of this series. Okay, we've talked about the importance of silence and solitude, We've talked about the importance of being in a small group. We've talked about the importance of counseling. We've talked about a number of books. And so what I want to do is I want to invite you, man, if you're serious about taking this to the next step and really taking this seriously in your life, go onto on our website. So www.southsidelife.com resources. And there you're going to find a page with all the resources that we've been talking about throughout this series. So just one more next step. One more next step. Okay, next week's Sunday. We're kicking off a brand new sermon series called Simple Significance. Number one, how cool is that title, by the way? But but it's actually going to be part of the journey back to you. So make it a priority, set a reminder, and we'll see you here next week. I love you guys, and thank you again, Corinne.
0: Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And to stay up to date with all things Southside, follow at Southside underscore church on Instagram. We love you guys, the best is yet to come.